0: The following YouTube cast is a Conscious Waves production.
1: Hi, I'm Chris. And
2: I'm Louise. And And we we are Conscious Conscious Waves. Waves. Well, thank you for joining us and welcome to 2024.
1: Yes, welcome everybody. hope that you had a fantastic Christmas and a... Really great start to yeah. 2024.
2: And look, got to say, glad to be back.
1: I know. I've missed it, haven't yeah, you? No, yeah, I,
2: have, I love meeting our guests. <laughs> yeah. And today is no exception. Yes. All right. We're, we finished off our year with Honor Tremaine, News and Nutrition, and mm-hmm. the Free Change, who are wonderful people. Yeah. It's been wonderful.
0: Yeah.
3: As usual.
1: Absolutely.
2: This time we've got a, a bloke that we met back in 2020, it was, wasn't yeah. it? And he's, very, he's a busy bloke.
1: He is Not a here. very busy bloke, but a very, very lovely person. Oh, he
2: is doing so much mm-hmm. to help so many people. Yeah. Um, He's been a Qantas pilot for quite a number of years. I, know, I don't I'm, remember how many.
1: I'm going to be so looking forward to finding out how he got, got started. Yes. Yeah, and absolutely. what he's up
2: to now. So yeah. him and his lovely wife are joining us. Mm-hmm. And look, he's so going to inspire you. I, I just know he is. He's inspired us. And he inspires, honestly, thousands of people every yeah. single day. So yeah. we are super keen. Mm-hmm. So Straight after the break, we will introduce you to our guests for today.
0: Are you looking for a website that inspires, educates and empowers you to live a conscious life? Look no further than Conscious Waves. With a fresh look and exciting content, our website is your ultimate guide to conscious living. Join our community of like-minded individuals at Conscious Waves today and start your journey towards a more conscious and fulfilling life. well we're back welcome back everybody
2: and we are so excited to introduce the one and only graham hood and his beautiful All wife right, michelle. michelle thanks for coming guys thank you
4: for
1: coming
2: it's Ooh, great to you. see
4: you too again it really yeah. is
2: oh it's lovely awesome. now i didn't give very much away oh sorry michelle
3: no uh, it's good to see your happy smiling faces you're looking Uh-oh. good thank
1: you
2: That's so good um we didn't give too much away in the introduction Mm -hmm. Um, you are very famous and have become very famous over the last couple of years, and we know this to be true. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have got to meet you. So I'm forever grateful for that. And also for you guys giving up your very, very busy schedule to come and chat with us. Can you just let everybody know, whereabouts are you recording this? So whereabouts are you residing currently?
4: We're in the Western Northern Rivers area of New South Wales. So we're between, say, Kyogle and Warwick.
2: And where did
4: you grow up, Graham? I haven't grown up yet. I'll let you know when I've finished. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was going to be
1: like this. <laughs> I was so good. I love that. I
4: like that. I, uh, my dad was in construction. Uh, he was a plant operator. And uh, so I just we just went from one construction camp to another. So I was born in um, in uh, the Goulburn River catchment area of Victoria, where Dad was building the Goulburn River Irrigation Project. Then we moved to Sydney, then we moved to Wollongong and um, uh, what happened after that, the Gold Coast. It was just, I've, it's just been all over the place. But I, I guess I spent most of my growing up years in the Sydney area.
2: All oh, right, okay. nice. And what about you, Michelle? Obviously, oh, just popped something in. I just put a lot of it out. <laughs> I do this to my kids all the time.
4: <laughs> it's, not, it's not one of your delicious cakes, which we've never, ever eaten, but we kept talking about.
3: Yeah um i grew up in wa i'm a wa oh. mm-hmm. right and so what got
2: you to move over to new south wales hoodie oh okay we'll, we'll come to that in a little while
1: yeah <laughs> no. must be worth it <laughs> absolutely um
2: so another question that i think chris and i have often discussed mm-hmm. i think is when did you know you wanted to be a pilot
4: oh i was uh, i was about five years of age and um I remember we were living in Wollongong at the time at a little place called Primby, which you'd know.
3: Yeah,
4: we do. Went down that way. And I went to Primby, Primby Primary School.
3: Oh, okay.
4: Our, our little house was right over the road from the oval of the school. It's not there anymore. I looked at it like actually, when we last saw you, I drove through there and looked and it was gone. But um, I had a mate called David Entwistle, and he and I were a couple of kids who got bullied a lot in school. So we sort of hung out pretty close. And we loved aeroplanes. He was a Pommy. He was a son of two Pommy immigrants, 10-pound Poms. Mm He was always raving on about the Battle of Britain and, you know, Lancaster bombers and all that. And we used to play Lancaster bombers on the roof of the Chook House in the backyard of our home in Wollongong. So we'd climb up on a ladder. We had two wooden fruit crates. you remember when you used to see those wooden fruit boxes everywhere? Yep. And I sat in the front of one with a with one of those steel garden rakes upside down like a steering wheel, and he sat behind me with his back to me with a broomstick pretending to be the tail gunner on a Lancaster bomber. <laughs> we flew a dozen missions every afternoon after school over Germany. We got shot down a dozen times. We bailed out off the chook house roof. We landed on our backs in the chook poo and the sand. <laughs> And we'd pretend to be dead for a minute and then we'd revitalize, go back up and do it all again. <laughs> but one day while I was lying on the on the on the sand in the Chukpoo, I heard this rumbling sound and I looked up and there was a big Qantas super constellation, a big old piston engine triple tail aeroplane. It was it was a big transcontinental aeroplane at the time. And I now know it must have been going from um from Sydney to Melbourne. And I looked at that and they were cloud surfing. They were actually. Uh, doing what I've done a lot when I got an opportunity when I was working for Qantas, Uh, you see a nice flat layer of cloud and you skim across the top of it because it gives you a real sense of the speed you're travelling. Wow. And we call it cloud surfing, and it's great fun. I mean, you've got to sit in the cockpit and see the cloud whizzing past you really quickly gives you a sense of speed. Anyhow, they were leaving a (laughs) – she's disappearing on me – a clear trail through that thin layer of cloud they're actually cutting a path through it and i looked at that and that's when i knew that's that's what i had to do and um and so uh yeah that's when it all started I, you know i i was on the wrong side of the tracks mum and dad were pretty dysfunctional and uh, i stopped attending school from the age of 13 i had a juvenile criminal record by the time i was seventeen. But I always had this dream to fly, and that's what got me through. And I ended up, I was fortunate to rise to the top of my profession in what used to be the world's oldest and safest airline. And uh, so it was a great career, and it started at the age of five.
2: So, oh, that's amazing. I love that you, how long? So five was the dream. When was the first time you flew a Qantas aeroplane? I...
4: I got my student license to to learn to fly at 15 years and nine months. That was the youngest you could get it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I didn't, I wasn't able to use it for a while because it cost a lot of money to learn. I ended up going to a live-in college situation in 1973 in the Hunter Valley. And then out of that, I started working. My first job was cattle mustering in Western Queensland with a light plane. Best job i ever had. Fantastic job. Then I went to crop dusting in the Hunter Valley, spraying the grapes and all that around the vineyards and uh, top dressing in the Hunter Valley. That led to uh, um, twin-engine charter flying, which led to my first airline job, which was uh, Bush Pilot Airways and Cairns flying the venerable DC-3. Okay, and wow. they got taken over by uh, TAA in a battle between Ansett and TAA to get this subsidiary airline, and we got sucked up into the – into the system of TAA, into their seniority system, because that was part of the agreement if they bought us out. And then eventually TAA became Australian Airlines. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I remember, I remember that. that. Yeah. And then Paul Keating announced in 1991, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, it was, be- I, was, um, I was six months out of work then. And um, uh, yeah, it became really ugly. Michelle mm. keeps looking. Yep. You're doing my trick.
1: Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And how about you, Michelle? Yeah, I was going
2: to say. So we we know you as maybe having been a
3: nurse. Is this correct? Yeah, I was a registered nurse. Yes, yeah. for a long time. Yeah, was, I that, was that your first? My registration because of COVID. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah,
2: yeah. So when did you always want to be a nurse? Was that your first job?
3: Oh, I wanted to do medicine.
2: Oh, so right. how was that little transition? How did you work through that then?
3: Mm-hmm. I wanted to do medicine, and um, long story short, I didn't do it. I didn't go in, even though I got accepted. But I didn't do it. Ended up doing nursing, but I did nursing for a long time. Then became, and then did psychology, and then did law. Oh, Oh, law! Wow! So you're a lawyer as well, Michelle? Oh, I'm not a practicing lawyer. No, Um, I did law. I don't like law. It's always arguing the letter of the law. It's not about justice, and I only did law. I only did law to enable me to take my own counselling clients to through the court system. Ah, oh, um, fair enough. <laughs> long time getting some of my clients ready for court and hand them over to lawyers, and they would stuff them up again. So I did law for that purpose only. Oh,
2: mm. that, that's a really good idea. Well, how what a good, mm. an open mind. So you actually knew what it was all about, so you could help them through yeah, that. Because, 100%.
3: Yeah, Yeah. I graduated. Mm. I graduated and um, met Hoodie at the end of that. And um, oh, here we go.
2: Keep going with it. Keep going. Keep going. going, Yeah. Yeah, Come on. Keep Um, going.
3: Queensland. And so I never did um, added Queensland legislation to my portfolio. So I I didn't continue with law then. Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, there you go. So, okay. So you need to spill the beans. How did you guys actually meet?
4: I forget now. He announced that. um, that Qantas was going to merge with Australian Airlines and become one biggest big Australian airline entity, and that's how I got into Qantas.
2: Oh, there you go! Wow, that's amazing.
4: I was I was with uh, Australian Airlines in 1989 during the big pilot strike. Oh,
2: did you strike?
4: Yeah, I was. I, we all did. I was out for six months or more. It was pretty horrendous.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: It Was a really bad time and. uh a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of heartbreak through that time, and but yep. luck, we came out of that, and um, yeah, that was eighty nine, and uh, I think Qantas merged with Australian Airlines in ninety one. You better tell it.
3: No, you tell yeah.
4: me. Well, um, it's a real saga.
3: Okay,
1: we're uh, here.
4: Okay. Saga. Um, I was actually in a really bad place in two thousand and six. I mean, really bad. I. I'd set a date to take my own life. It was, you know, I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in anything. I didn't believe in me. The world was going to be better off without me. I was pretty miserable, obviously. And um, on what was to be the last flight that I was scheduled to do before the date that I'd set to take my own life, I'd actually planned it to the day. um, I operated from Brisbane to Perth, 24 hours in Perth, and then come back to Brisbane. And on that evening flight from Brisbane to Perth, um about halfway through the flight over the nullarbor i went back to go to the bathroom and uh the bathroom was occupied as i was waiting uh this beautiful lady came out of the bathroom i couldn't believe what i was looking at she smiled i smiled i went into the bathroom came out she was still there because she couldn't get back to a seat there was the cart in the way and we talked for about 10 minutes and it was amazing. And we we so didn't want the conversation to end that we decided to meet the next day because I had 24 hours in Perth and we spent the whole day together. And six weeks later, she packed up everything and moved to the Gold Coast to be with me. And uh, we haven't looked in the rear vision mirror ever since, have we, Hannah? No.
2: Oh, I love that. That's a beautiful story. So she really did save your life.
4: She absolutely did. Um, she absolutely did. And, and, and at that time, I... Was pretty much still an atheist. I'd made a couple. I had a couple of revelations, but I was pretty much an atheist. And the timing was so incredibly unique and miraculous that we started to say for both of us that there must be some kind of divine intervention. And Michelle was already a practicing Christian. Yep. And, uh, and then when we, when I investigated what's divine intervention, I realised that God put us together for a reason. And um,
3: and he saved my life let me tell you at the same time oh good Ooh. Wow. nice
2: well that's great i haven't ever heard that side of it
4: yeah, yeah. yes we, we feel like god brought us together for mutual benefit and um yeah. and and we've had we've been through i think about 60 major life-changing events since we got together including murder and the loss of uh, murder in our family we've had the loss of a three-week-old grandson to Sids and no. and uh, and so many other things, court battles, and it's just been an endless, an endless attack. But...
3: Very strengthening.
4: Very strengthening. And we wouldn't, you know, now that we're coming out of the other end of it, we wouldn't have missed it for the world, you know. I, I can't think of too much that I'd do differently, but uh, meeting her, it, when I met Michelle, I felt like I was leaning over the precipice ready to free fall to my own death. Mm-hmm. And this hand came into my belt and pulled me back and whispered in my ear, "Not now, hoodie. I've got something better for you to do." And uh, and we got together, and and um, we realised that we were brought together for a purpose. Michelle was a victim of childhood sexual abuse within her church as a young as a young kid for six years, mm. and we decided that we were brought together for a purpose, and that purpose was to help people restore the brokenness in their lives, as we had done. And so we set about getting into ministry and recovery ministry and, and Michelle wrote a wonderful 12 step program called recovery road. And for the last 17 years, we've been heavily involved in just helping people reach their destiny. Mm -hmm. You know, that's about you guys love getting into that too. So yeah,
1: hundred percent.
4: We just want people to see that life doesn't end because evil falls on you. Um, You know, we, we can shrug it off. We can stand again and we can live in glory. Um, the way we were destined to. And and I think that's a powerful message, which is one of the reasons that I got involved in all the other stuff that we've done in the last three years. But Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: yeah. yeah no,
2: I, I hear you. And I think not everybody can do that. Like some people um, are fortunate enough that maybe they got saved from a situation that either of you have been in. Yeah. And then they've gone on and, you know, live their life the best way they can and they don't know how to help other people. Sometimes they do it buy cash donations or you know be a maybe a patron but don't actually do the hard work. Doing the hard work and coming from an area of experience and empathy mm-hmm. and solutions and yep. and care, that honest care that you give, you must have helped hundreds of people 100%. in those situations. So to me, just a massive thank you on their behalf, because they probably keep thanking you, I would imagine there would be so many people to do that. But this is where people forget they. When you get caught up in something else, they forget who you really are. Mm. And I'm I'm so glad that you shared that because it mm. is, it you know you could have just, the two of you could have just got together and gone great. Well, you both saved each other. Now we'll get on with our lives and that no, thing. that's it. And what you've done mm. is actually spent your whole life then helping other people. And mm. you know that's, no. that's a credit to you.
4: But that is getting on with your life. I mean, we've realized that the best best things in life aren't things; it's relationships and. And there's no greater way to live your life than in the service of others. And you guys know that because mm. you guys are some of the some of the best local community group organisers we've come across. You've got a real passion for it and you don't do it for any other reason than you love the people in your community. Right. And that, that's, right. that's what we're all doing, you know. And we all have a different role to play. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I tear up when I think of how we can all be used in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our fears, we can all be used and we can bring hope to other people and and that drives me every day, even there are, though there are some days and I just want to pull a doona over my head and pretend it's not happening. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We are living in dark times and and we've all got to pull together and it's so important that we realise that and accept one another for who we are and accept that we're all doing the best we can with the opportunities we have available to us. And if we can all do that and live in compassion, boy, we can make a huge difference. Hmm. There's a line in the serenity prayer, which a lot of people know, it starts with God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference. And then further on down the the prayer, it says um, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. And, And I think we live in a world now where we want to skip the hardship. We don't want the hardship, thank you very much, just give us all the good stuff. And and media media present that flat out to people, they 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 set up an expectation of what it means to be successful in the brands that you wear and the things that you do and where you go, and uh, social media is terrible at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the other hand, they're putting up this narrative that would scare the daylights out of most kids. You know, we're talking about climate change and the pandemic responses. All this sort of rubbish is just terrifying people. And that's deliberately done. We all know because the best way to get a, a community to comply is to keep them afraid. Mm-hmm. And we're getting to understand that we struggle with that as adults. I would hate to be a kid living in this age now. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. and and it's up to us to try and give them some hope, you know. And um, and we can't we can't leave this world in a mess. We can't. We've got to do everything we can to stop
0: that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
2: agree. And I think it's people. And this is when I. Uh, preluding what i was saying before is it's sort of our age group that have to be these people that show people that there's it can be better yeah we know it's bad but it can be better and we've got to stick together and make it better Mm -hmm. and you know help be the light yes that's it
4: be the light that we were put on the earth for Mm. Mm.
2: yep so give
4: people something to aim for you know and because one of the big things in our with with all of the touring that we've been doing you know we've spoken to 30,000 people in 300 communities over 12 months and the big thing we keep telling them you know the sun comes up every day it goes down every afternoon what you did today got you to what you did yesterday got you to today if you love somebody and you haven't told them please call them and tell them because it's really important you know now more than ever we need to know that there are people out there that love us and um, And and people respond in such a positive way to that, you know. Like, sure, there's plenty of rabbit holes you can go down if you want to. But we're we're living in an age where people are actually mining for darkness, Mm. expecting for darkness. And and after a while, you become what you what you abhor. You you um you run the risk of creating your own reality. So that's what I love about about what we're doing. We've, We've got a self sufficient property, and it keeps us very busy. And you know, at the moment we've got a, a peahen running around with four little pea chicks behind her. Oh. <laughs> we've got a couple of kangaroos that Michelle's raised from babies from road roadkill on the side of the road and they're free to come and go as they like and they wander in all the time. And we get to look at these beautiful flowers and our veggies growing and um, it really gets us to see that life still is worth living,
0: mm.
4: despite all the bad stuff and, and it's also worth fighting for. Mm. Mm, yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yep.
2: Yep. Oh, that's oh, that's great. Really? We could. I need a drink of water because I'm going to cough in a second. So okay. we have a quick break. We'll come back break. and we're going to find out some fun stories from these two because I think they've got plenty.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
4: <laughs> you don't want me to tell some of those fun? No, it's okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back soon. Yeah. Okay, Introducing
0: Everyday Journey, Inspiring Conversations, the show that brings you the most incredible, inspiring, and heartwarming stories straight from the lives of remarkable individuals. Each week, join us on a journey where we meet people who have experienced the extraordinary, do some remarkable things, or make a real difference in the people around them. Our podcast features an incredible array of guests who will leave you in awe. We believe that everyone has a story worth telling, and through this podcast, we provide a platform for these remarkable individuals to share their experiences, inspire others, and remind us all of the power of the human spirit. Get ready to be inspired, uplifted, and moved by the stories that will stay with you long after the episode ends. Well, we're back. We're back. Got
2: over the cough. and. Yes. Uh... We're back with these two amazing humans, aren't we? Lucky that we know them. I'm so yeah, so, so blessed that we feel that we can uh, just have such frank conversations yeah. and, and find out what a terrific life. And they inspire me. Yeah. Well,
1: well, the the big question that I want to ask first, the <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, very first day as a first officer in Qantas, how did you feel?
4: What what happened? Like, and maybe who was your captain? Well, I've got to tell you that my first day in Qantas, I was the captain. That <laughs> My very first day in Qantas was my first day in command of a jet ever. Oh, okay, right. So I, was, I was training to be captain in Australian Airlines and I did my check to line. In other words, I passed my training the day before Qantas officially took over, which was a blessing because the contract for us said that you will never be demoted below the rank you held at the time of the merger. So I made it by one day. So my first, um, my first landing as a first officer in Australian Airlines on the Boeing seven three seven.
1: Yeah,
4: I was with a captain who was a real grouch, and like I'd been with a training captain, I spent a couple of months with teaching me how to fly the airplane, and we had a great time. And my he said to me, "I hope your first captain when you check out isn't this particular guy." And lo and behold, it was. Oh no, no! And we did a flight from Melbourne to Brisbane. And uh, I was nervous. He was riding me all the way down the approach, you know, saying, Oh, you're a bit high, you're a bit fast. And I'm thinking, Oh, no. Anyhow, I did the worst landing I'd ever done in my life. I crunched it on, it was bang. <laughs> and I, as we rolled down the runway, he was cursing and swearing, hiding <laughs> because you're embarrassed. I can't,
0: that's
4: <laughs> <laughs> And anyhow, as we taxied off the runway, he said, that was disgusting. Are you sure you've been trained? I said, Yeah. He said, I think you need you need to, I want you to get onto the PA system and apologize to the passengers for the landing. I said, Yeah, whatever. And I picked up the PA and I said, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first officer. The captain has asked me to apologize for the landing. (laughs) It looked like he'd done it. And I was apologizing (laughs) on his behalf. And I'd only did what he told me to do. Well. He went right off. It was it was shocking. And normally he stood at the door to say goodbye to the passengers and he didn't. And I did. I got up and I stood there and I shook my hands as they got off. And uh it took him years to forgive me, but he eventually did. Oh, that's
2: funny. Oh. I, I that's actually one of the best things. I'm <laughs> I'm a clarinet player, so in a band or whatever, you know, when you want to get to the first part. So it's either you're a top clarinet or you're middle or you're down the bottom. So when you finally get you know, nearly to the top. You say, got a bit to prove, and you crop really close to the conductor. And so I got quite good at some of the orchestras and bands that I was in and get near the conductor and whatever. And I was sitting next to a guy that was very good as well. So it was good, healthy competition. I was quite liked it. I like that sort of thing. And anyway, I let clarinet squeak. In case you don't know, if you're not musical, they make. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. And it happens every song. You know, I did a great one. Oh. So loud, so terrible. And the conductor looked at me and I looked dr- directly at the guy next to me and went, You're kidding.
4: <laughs> oh, the classic pass the buck. Cop this one. Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah. But I think yours is way better. Yeah, yeah, okay. I thought that was one of the best. Right, yours is so, good give, so a, good.
4: give us another story, Graham. <laughs> it's a good when, idea. I was, when I was flying for the regional airline up at based out of Cairns on the venerable old Douglas DC 3, a beautiful old. Um, airplane when I was flying it it was 50 years old so it was it was to Dakota that dropped all the parachute the uh, paratroopers over Europe in the D-Day invasions you know that oh, wow. that gives you an idea what the airplane was for those who don't know and it was a joy to fly it was beautiful and um, and we used to we, we were like a big family at Bush Pilot Airways and we're always getting new flight attendants on board that were being trained and uh, we had a new flight attendant being trained one day And um, I uh, called her up to give us a cup of tea and she came up and gave us a cup of tea. She said, is there anything else you'd like? I said, yeah, can you bring me up a teaspoon, please? And she said, all right, a teaspoon, just a teaspoon? I said, yeah. And when she went back to get it, I grabbed a sick bag and I tipped a, a container of fruit salad in the sick bag and when she came up, handing me the teaspoon, I th- said, thank you. And she stood there looking at me and I dipped it into the sick bag and I was eating fruit salad. And she thought I was eating my own vomit, <laughs> which, made her, which made her quite ill. Um, I mean, we, we've got a thousand stories like that. And uh, there was an, another time when we uh, we had a trainee on board and mm-hmm. uh, the, the two of us pressed the button for the flight attendant to come up. Then we jumped out of our seats slid our side windows back, our side windows were open, put our headsets on the on the seat and we hid in the luggage locker and so as she came in the door, she looked and saw the aeroplane flying itself and no one at the controls. <laughs> windows were open. And she looked and saw our hats and our head, headphones on the seat and she stuck her head out of one of the windows to see if we were moving outside. And when she pulled her hair ba- head back in, all the hair was all frizzed up and we were hiding in the luggage lockers, killing ourselves. And um, I mean, we had a lot of fun. But I think one of the classics for me was uh, we used to do a lot of tourist flights where we'd go away on a thing called a Gooney Bird tour. We'd take American tourists for, away for two weeks at a time. And we'd go to all the usual spots around North Queensland, the Territory. And it was a great time. And on the very first day of our, one of the tours we did, I was flying out of Brisbane. We were going to Roma. Excuse me, in Queensland. And the passengers, you know, were were going to be together for two weeks with us. We were all going to end up the best of friends, as we always did. But about half an hour into the flight, I had some lengths of string, and I tied them to a point in the cockpit, and the toilet in the aeroplane was right down the back, and you had to go down the aisle to get to the toilet at the back. And I backed out of the cockpit door, holding these bits of string, letting them out bit by bit, And I walked back down and I got halfway down the aisle and I'm hanging on like this. And I said to the guy sitting in the aisle, can you hold these for me? But whatever you do, don't move them. I'll be back in a minute. And I went to the toilet. When I came back, he was, (laughs) and of course there was a pilot up the front that was flying the aeroplane and he thought he had control of the (laughs) aeroplane and the sweat was pouring off his face. I'll never forget.
1: I'll
4: never forget. it. It was a really good time.
2: Oh, no, oh. I'm sure you wouldn't have done anything like that when you were nursing or anything. You had
4: you? no, you had no stories. Anymore, like that, no,
2: no stories.
4: No, no, I've heard some, but it wouldn't melt in her mouth.
2: <laughs> I'm sure the nurses get up with to some pretty, pretty funny things.
3: <laughs>
2: Can you yeah. share a story?
3: <laughs> oh, I can't keep things away. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep things away. Oh.
4: Oh, what about this? This isn't a funny story, but you remember there was a time when you were nursing in an aged care facility and a, and a man had been very badly neglected by a doctor.
3: Oh, yeah, but that that wasn't funny. That, that was wasn't getting no. serious. I had this old fella who I was an agency and I had this old fella who was in a lot of pain, and I'd call the doctor to, you know, for a prescription or to get, give him strong painkillers. Hmm. Nothing happened the next day, and I went back that night and nothing had happened. I went back the third night. No, I missed a night and went back, and nothing had happened. He had no orders for strong painkillers, and he was in agony. He was crying, and so I rang up the doctor. It was like midnight. I rang him up, and I said, I really need you to come in and get give the okay to give this guy some strong painkillers, and he didn't. An hour later, I rang him and I said, "Are you coming in? Because if you don't come in, I'm going to report you to the to the medical board." Good. And um, he came in, but he was spewing. <sighs> he was angry at me. And he was well, so, but I I was had to be the advocate for the client, so that was. Nice. I always spoke up for the clients.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, when that's I mean that's your job. I mean that. That's just laziness, obviously, on a doctor's behalf. That's not fair. Mm. That's not giving people dignity that they need. So good on you. Mm. Uh, mm. I mean, yeah, I bet you saw some tough things, though.
3: Lots of tough things.
1: Mm. Mm.
4: Yeah. You're a funny story about her.
1: Yeah, um, go yes, on, please. yeah, go on, yep. on great Happy with well, funny stories.
4: One of the most incredibly dangerous landings I ever did, mm. I had no choice, was in Perth on a night when it was just horrendous. So weather had come in, it hadn't been forecast It was blowing a gale. It was way beyond the limits of the aeroplane, the legal limits, but we had no option. We had literally had nowhere else to go. So I had to put the aeroplane down, and it was meant to be the co-pilot's landing. But, you know, I said, look, this is one I better do because we're going outside the limits and I'm the one responsible. And he said he was glad to have me do it. And when we called the, the control tower up and said we were on our final approach, he said, you're clear to land. Good luck. This is the worst weather I've ever seen in my life. They his words to me, and I thought, oh, good on you.
0: Thanks for the
4: I had Michelle sitting down the back. She'd come over to, uh, to Perth with me to visit family. And I did this incredibly interesting approach to land at Perth, and it ended up being one of the best landings I'd ever done, which often happens because you concentrate so hard. And the co-pilot and I punched the air and gave each other a high five. We were so glad that we pulled it off. And as Everyone was getting off the airplane. We were standing at the front door, and there were people cheering and clapping and "well done." And Michelle got up, and she's standing there waiting to get out. And she looked at me as if to say, "What's all the fuss about?" And I said, "Didn't you?" She said, "I was asleep. I didn't know."
3: You. I was just behind him,
4: and and I I, I didn't thought know anything. I thought, "Wow, I'm really going to win some points with this lady tonight. It's going to be." <laughs>
1: You walked out with all this sweat dripping down <laughs> <in> your
3: face. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, <John? laughs> I didn't know anything serious had happened. Oh. Uh, Some of your
2: best work goes unnoticed. Yeah,
1: exactly. Oh, uh, that's too funny. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, oh, thanks for sharing those. That that's awesome. I can tell that you've absolutely loved. Every moment of your flying career, mm. and you know you've obviously given a lot of service to a lot of people, lot seen lot of a lot people. of things, done some great things, been a fantastic mentor. Mm. Um. So we'll come to the bit that we really had you on for uh, that we really want to find out about as well, which is terrific. I'm glad we found out about everything else. Church without walls. Now, mm-hmm. tell us a bit about yeah. that. How it started. What it's doing. Give us some, you know, as much information as you can.
4: Okay. Well, um, we uh, when we got together, um...
3: we wrote a program. We wrote the recovery program. Yep. Mm -hmm. We were running that, and that was to do. It was to help broken people, absolutely broken people.
4: Life recovery.
3: Life recovery. Yep. So we were running that, and we were doing really well with it, and um, we were. It's a Christ-centred recovery program. So we use Jesus Christ as the higher power, okay? Yep. People learn to trust in other people for the first time in their lives in this program, which is paramount, because they never trusted anyone after they were hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they, they were taking tentative steps to go to church, but church wasn't a safe place. Because of the, sadly, because of the condemnation, sadly, that happens in church a lot of broken people, it's not a place that you can safely let broken people go to. So we set up Church Without Walls 17 years, 18 years ago Mm -hmm. in our backyard on the Gold Coast. So lots of people recovering from life's hurts, habits and hang-ups would come to a safe place to kn- know more about the Bible, et cetera, et cetera, if they wanted to. Mm. And that was the very beginning of Church Without Walls that we have been involved in.
4: Because come as you are, church, you know, no judgment. We had a sign in our driveway that said, no judgment beyond this point. So when people drove up, they felt accepted straight away.
3: Nice.
4: Mm. Yeah, nice.
3: So that, we ran that for a long time. And then we moved out to the country and we've we, um, been running it here, where we are, and that's been going successfully. But now, because of our travelling and talking all over Australia, we've got many, many people who are now interested in healing, continuing, continuing healing, and continuing with a relationship with Christ. Then we're going online with Church Without Walls.
1: Oh, good! Nice. nice.
4: nice. So we, we've been since we've been touring. We've baptized nearly. I don't know between two hundred and fifty and three hundred people, because mm-hmm. people ask to be baptised. We don't force it on anybody, but we've had a lot of we've had a lot of atheists in these troubling times come up to us and say, "Look, I don't believe in God, but can you pray for me?" Which is really interesting, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: yep. people have said, "Look, I don't believe in God, but I can't sleep at night unless I hear the prayer at the end of your program." And so, um, you know, some people said, "I, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. Will you baptise me?" And of course, I will.
0: Yeah.
4: Uh, I take them on a little uh, 45 minute to an hour Bible study prior to their baptism and that's normally in a group of several people and um and then we want them to have we want them to have fellowship with each other because they're all from the same area and we say to them look when we get established you'll be sent a link and you can come online and here's something really basic like you know relationship with Jesus 101 Mm-hmm. Demystify a lot of the stuff in the Bible that scares people. Also have a large part of the program, the televised program, be testimony from people who've been on a similar journey. So, you know, we may even see if we can get you guys to come on one day and and give a testimony. And and people get such great comfort. I mean, to hear somebody's story of restoration through Christ, Mm. one of those is better than 100 sermons, I reckon. Yeah. 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 But we just want to. We just want to. Uh, we want to start this televised program where people come together at the same time every Saturday. Uh, they can. It's recorded as well, so they can watch it whenever they want to. But the idea would be that maybe a dozen or so people in each little community that start Church Without Walls will come together, hear the presentation that we make, and then stay and have lunch together and and um, and talk about what we mentioned on our program and just build little home church groups everywhere so people can just come as they are and just get to know how how great and normal and normal and beautiful is a relationship with a higher power like Jesus and it's and people are begging for it they're wanting it a lot of people are saying no way you guys are you know bible bashers it doesn't matter we're all you know everybody's in a different part of the race and um so we're really looking forward to that I, to be honest with you that since this whole uh, movement started, I, um, I've i admitted openly to everybody, anyone who's ever seen me speak at a rally knows that I always pray. Mm. And I, so many people, I'm not an activist as much as I am a reluctant evangelist. I I believe now's the time for people to get to know, really get to know their higher power. And um, and because uh, that's what help, helps me sleep at night when things are dark around me. And you guys know that too. Yep. Well, When we have faith, hope, and love, there's something really special happens to us. Mm. It us to stand in the the strongest of storms, and and people need that right now. And a lot of people are rejecting it. That's fine. Uh, We're all in a different stage of our journey, but we're really looking forward to it starting. It's imminent. We've got the cameras and everything ready to start it. Nice. Uh, So I'm hoping to get the first one out within a month.
2: Oh, oh, I was gonna. Oh, that was gonna be my next question. When is it gonna start? Fantastic. Oh, well, it's fantastic. Make sure you keep us in the loop too, because we'll we'll post some stuff on. Yeah, for yeah. the People who've listened here that might yep. not be on your channels. Hopefully, we'll get them all to cr- cross over anyway. Yeah. But it would yeah. be lovely to. Yeah, to, I'd love to come along I'm and definitely and, pushing
1: that to our channel and stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: And I think look, but everything that you do, this is probably for me one of the things that is just I don't know it's it's touching my heart. I love everything that you've done and what you stand for and everything. But this is a, a whole nother way and as much as we didn't do so much online before you know 2020, I mean, I know I could do quite a lot of stuff and the the stuff we've learned it it, it can be used for such a good thing like you know, we, we were able to do it for for a lot of things. people caught up with family. You know, we can talk to you guys, we can talk to, you know, we talked to a musician that was over in the States in the and States. had him on our our thing and you just go, how lucky we are that we've got this technology. Mm. It can be terrible, but it, we can also Literally, use it for good. It's so right it's, it's what good. you've been saying too. There's so much evil, but you can use it for good. And I'm so pleased because that can really have all those little communities that, that you've touched along, you know, just that last 12 months anyway um, yeah. to get this whole thing going. What a great idea.
4: And we're not we're non-denominational. The whole it's not about denominations. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. Mm. We want people to understand the difference between religion and a relationship with Christ. It's not we're not going to be asking people to, you know, send money and tithe and all that sort of stuff. What they do with that is up to them. We're, we're not into that. We just want people to get ready because everything that we know about our faith and our journey through the Bible tells us that there's a big train coming. And mm. we need to get ready. You know, that song. People get ready. There's a train coming. Yeah. You, don't, you just step on board and that's we want to prepare people to get on the train when it comes because there's going to be a lot of gnashing of teeth when people realize that they've missed it and and uh, and i think that's a calling for all of us you know there's a lot of people looking for answers and for many this is the answer mm-hmm. um i know for me i spent i spent 50 years if you like wandering around looking for answers i looked at new age stuff i looked at uh, buddhism i looked at I was a, a staunch atheist for most of that time and I would have walked past a hundred churches to go to a new age seminar and and I didn't it wasn't until I discovered who Jesus was that everything turned around for me mm.
0: yeah you know,
4: and and to the point where I know it was him that pulled me back from the cliff edge I know it was his hand in my belt when I was going to end it all I know he had a better plan for me and I know it was to do what I'm doing now and I'm more passionate about this and going to rallies and, you know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, yeah no,
2: 100%. It, it is yeah. and it's bringing like what a good part about that is that there's the one common love of Jesus mm. that brings everybody together. So it's yeah. it's not dividing. It's actually bringing that bit together and I'm, that's, you know, that that's, what, always so that's say, what we need to do. We need to be with our flock
1: mm. right. and i've and, I, and i've always said like even everybody that we've interviewed so far we've always said that there's this common thread that connects everybody mm. and, and, and that's and that's the love that we all have without within us which is which is
4: so important and it's so beautiful at the same time yeah mm. it really is and and uh it, it gives me great peace and and, look, you know, people say to me, oh, you know, you must have a lot of Bible knowledge. I don't. I don't have much at all. But the bits I understand live in my heart. They don't stay in my head. They live in my heart. Yeah, right. That's it. They help me develop my character. And my character development shines on the outside, I hope. And people say, well, how come you can think that or how do you deal with this situation you don't seem to be phased." And I say, well, i just give it to Jesus. And and people say, well, how do I do that? Well, and, and it's not hard. It's just a matter of saying, you know what? Life's a journey. We're all on this journey together. Uh, we're, hopefully we're all heading to the same destination. And it's a journey that matters and the relationships we make along the way, like the ones that you and I have. No. That we, yeah. um, we haven't known each other for long. And, yeah, we've had some ups and downs along the way. But here we are talking now, and that's what's beautiful oh, wow. about, about compassion and understanding and faith and love and hope, they, those are the things that bind us through the tough times exactly. and hold us when we need them to. And everybody wants it. Yes. Um, and I want to give it to to Jesus or God because most people who reject Jesus are rejecting religion, and I don't blame them because religion has done a lousy job of promoting God. Mm. Agreed. Yeah. 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 Religion is the business of God conducted by men, and they're very bad at it. Yeah. And. I think religion has a lot to answer for, especially in the last three years around mandates and things like that. We've right. seen we've seen it happen. So um this is about a simple, loving relationship with our creator. That's what it's about. And it helps. I know it helps because it's helped me and it's helped millions of other people as well.
2: Yeah. And I, I like the idea too that because you know that I like everything nice and simple. You know, simpler, less complicated. The better because it res- resonates with a lot of people that way. But that like church can get really complicated. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've just had six months at a Catholic school, <laughs> you know, like yeah. going teaching religion, going, I know a lot of this in my heart, and you've got to di- and I think, oh, it just gets so complicated, it can get really out of hand. And it's no wonder then that people just don't have time for it. But when you really get it down to the the simple thing, so we had a lovely, a good friend of ours, Francesca, who when we weren't going through a great time, she was uh, one of our rocks right at the start. And she gave us a beautiful little saying. She said, I walk past this every day, Louise, just give this a go. Got me out of bed, I think, uh, when I was going through that really bit of a tough time. And it was, um, I surrender everything to you. I leave everything in your hands. It's simple. Something I could remember easily. And I really related to it. And I just, and it just went, yep,
3: that's that's it.
2: it." You know, that's all I needed to do. And it really, you know, it's that one in front of the other, just small steps. And then it it just became that it was something that instantly as I opened my eyes in the morning, it was already in my head saying it. And then it would start my day well, you know. And I I still do it, you know, so that's what, four, three years, nearly four years down the track, just knowing that. You know, like I said, so you don't always have a great day, but you have a learning day. You know, something's been put there for you to learn from.
4: (laughs) I had a situation when I first came into faith where a a guy was really bad-mouthing me something chronic in the church and um, um, it was horrible. I thought, wow, if this is what Christianity is like, I'm out of here. You know, this is really tough stuff. And I got so angry because people were telling me about this gossip he was spreading about me and I got so angry after a week of hearing it that I wanted to find him and punch his lights out. And I was really super angry and Michelle was a bit a bit annoyed, but not annoyed, she, was, she saw a side of me that she'd never seen. And, um, and as she walked away from me, I was down in my shed and as she walked away, I, I was still frustrated and I looked up at the roof of the shed and I said, I don't know, Jesus, you know everything. I don't know anything. What would you do if you were in my shoes? And then I thought to myself, I wonder what he would do. I bet it's the opposite to what I want to do the, op- the and all I want to do is not this bloke. What's the opposite to that? Just love him. Why would I love him? And the answer came to me because he's going through a pain that you know nothing about. And instead of hitting on him and hating on him, he needs someone to love him. And I thought, oh, far out. Is it that simple? Yeah, it's, it's that simple. simple. And I felt the bad energy drain away. And I ran up to Michelle and I said, hey, I think I've just worked it out like I worked it out. It wasn't me. (laughs) And I told her and she said, that's really good. And the next day was our day at church. And when I came out of the church, this guy was in the lobby near the water dispenser with some mutual friends and he was bagging me something fierce. And he didn't know I was there. I walked up behind him and the guys he was talking to were nudging him saying, no, no, he's coming. He's coming. Shut up. Shut up. And he was oblivious and I put my hand on his shoulder and he looked up at me and he said, what do you want? And I said, how are you? He said, I'm all right, but what do you want? I don't know. I said, but I feel really impressed to tell you something. He said, what is it? I said, I love you. And I think that's all there is. He said, what did you say? I said, I love you. And I think that's all there is. I don't know any other way. And he burst into tears and he hugged me.
0: Hmm. And
4: the other guys couldn't believe it. They thought I was going to snot him. And the trouble went away. The whole issue dropped dead, like it had been just stabbed in the heart. And then I got to really understand that love truly does conquer all. Yeah. Yeah. But we can hate the things that the globalists are doing, and we can hate, you know, the political leaders that get us into the messes we get into. But that hate affects us more than it affects them.
0: Yep.
4: Mm, yep. yep, that's mm. right. Realize that we're carrying a red hot coal in our heart of anger that they know nothing about. And if we only realize that the only way to set ourselves free is to forgive. Not forget. No, no, no. People have to be held to account. Even Michelle, Michelle was a victim of childhood sexual abuse from the age, from a very early age. And she forgave the man who raped her every weekend for six years. But I've been with her when she's prayed to God to hope that she sees him when she gets to heaven. That's what real grace is all about. And the truth is, I reckon, if we can't get to a point where we can do that, we may never get to heaven to find out.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it, it's so easy to blame. Mm. You know, like uh, Chris has a wonderful, one of your mentors, I don't know if it was Rob or or who it was, but and he always goes, you know, we can always point the finger. You say, well, look where these three fingers are pointing back.
1: There's always three you point fingers.
2: at one, but it's, you know, like a lot fingers. of it is your reflection. So if you can actually find that love in your heart for anybody, like whether it's somebody as awful as some of these premiers and prime ministers and stuff at the minute, or it's just a kid that used to bully you at school,
3: you if know? You don't forgive. You're in a prison of your own making.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
2: And it's and it's all it's doing is putting out negativity to the world, mm. you know. Can I
4: have a, a wonderful story about that. Sure. Um, we uh, I attended a um, a camp for troubled youth. Uh, it was a two day event, and I was asked to go and share my testimony at this camp. A friend of mine was running it, and our grandson actually went along to it, so I had a vested interest in being there. And there, these were a lot of kids who were, you know, from broken families from a very low socioeconomic group in, in the Brisbane area. And they they all met at the school where the buses were going to pick everyone up and take them to this secret camp location. It was brilliantly set up. And they had some ice-breaking things going on in the car park while they were waiting for everyone to arrive. And there was this really troubled kid who got onto one of the buses and he just sat at the back of the bus and he hid there while everyone was doing out the front doing the ice-breaking. And uh, one of the counselors looked and saw him sitting there and he went up to him and he said, what's your name? And he said, oh, my name's my name's Luke. And he said, "What? why aren't you out there with the rest of the guys? He said, I don't want to be here. Uh, I don't want to be part of this. I, I'm only here because my grandmother insisted that I come. This is the last thing I want to do. I don't want to be here. And the guy said, what's troubling you? He said, all my life I've been bullied. I've been bullied, 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 and I can't bear it. And and I just want to be left alone. I don't want to be with other kids. And while he was talking, he looked out the window and he freaked out. And the counselor said, what's the matter? He said, the kid that's been bullying my whole life is out there waiting to get on this bus. And the counselor said, look, don't worry. I promise you we'll protect you. You'll be fine. Now when I got to the camp the next day they were it was the idea was that they'd have a campfire session and um and I would start off with my testimony and we'd go around in the circle amongst the kids around the fire and they'd all share a bit of their lives and I talked about my teenage life and how tough it was and it got round to the boy who was being bullied and he started crying and he he said I've been bullied my whole life it's not fair and he talked about how he wanted to kill himself and he went on for about 10 minutes and everyone was somber everyone was somber and then about 5 minutes later it got to the kid who was bullying him and the kid said my life's crap i've got so many stepfathers i've i've got I've been beaten with a belt and he stood up and he pulled his t-shirt up and he had burn marks all over his torso where one of his stepfathers was poking cigarettes into his belly and he said, there are times and I don't want to live either. And he sat down. And you know what happened? The kid who he bullied got up, walked across the circle, grabbed him by the shirt and pulled him up and hugged him. And he said, thank you. Now I understand. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. How old were these kids? 13. You can't, you can't buy that. No. You can't teach that. No. That comes from the heart. Absolutely. And the, the message out of that was so profound. And those kids got to know each other. Those two boys spent the rest of the camp together getting to know each other. Beautiful mm. story. Oh. And I mean that's that's the essence. That's if we can't get to that in this in this country. We're not, worth it. we're not worth the ground we stand on. Yeah. yeah. We must get to that point. We've got to stop the hatred, and we've got to stop the, the he said, she said, and all the rubbish that goes on, you know. We've got to get back to basics. You know what? We're all God's children. Mm-hmm. We're all created in the image of God. We've all got incredible destinies ahead of us, and there's a whole bunch of evil stuff that tries to divert all that and get us to go down pathways that we don't want to go down. But at the end of the day, we're still who we are. And yeah. we're still valuable, we're lovable, we're capable, we're acceptable, we're adorable, we're washable. All the things that are able come from God, but mm. someone wants to feel all the things that are less, hopeless, helpless, useless. Yeah. And, and um, it's up to us to make sure that we stand in the glory of the Creator who made us in His image. It's up to us to do that, and it's up to all of us to help each other in that journey.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, um, oh, right. 100%. And I, I just think what an amazing place that would have been to be at. To, mm. to to witness oh, kids yeah, being able too. to do it when we know adults can't. You oh. know, like they really, that's when you learn from the kids just, I mean, you know, he even though all of that terrible stuff had happened, he was a good enough kid right at his soul that went, I get that, mm. I'm willing to accept and forgive and move on, you know.
0: Mm. And
4: and I I- they didn't just hug for a second. They sobbed into each other's shoulders for about five minutes. Mm. Everyone in the circle was bawling their eyes out. It was raw courage
0: mm.
4: and perfect grace right before our eyes from two 13-year-old boys from mm. the, the tracks. Yeah. So how on earth are we to judge and condemn one another?
0: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah.
4: Exactly.
1: I've
2: got to stop doing that. That's exactly we've got to stop pointing the finger all of the time and remember that you know we're all responsible for how we treat everybody. And you gotta treat yourself well and then treat everybody the way like you I want to be, be treated. treated. So we all I'm did but- that.
4: When you blame, you be lame. Mm. Yep. yep, that's a good that's one. It. Yep. Make yourself lame when you blame. You, you, we've got to accept responsibility. Mm. Yep. All of us have to. You know, like if Michelle and I ever split up, um, and it would never happen, if she said to me, I don't want to be with you anymore, I'm out of here, the first question I'd ask myself is what did I do to contribute to that?
0: Mm.
4: What could I have done better? Why is she this way? But we, we're too busy to race straight to the how could you do this to me scenario yep. instead of what did I do to you? Mm. But not asking like, oh, what on earth did I do to you to deserve this? Tell me, what what do I need to learn out of this? Before we go any further, tell me what I need to do better. Mm. And then, I don't know, mm. and the answer, all I know is at age 71, I don't want to live any other way anymore. Mm.
2: Yeah. I agree, and I think that that's very, very commendable.
4: Yeah.
2: Well, we're getting close to probably wrapping this up so we don't like, take up too much of your time. You can get bed early.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: what? <laughs>
2: anyway, one thing that we love, like I, we have the one same question for everybody mm-hmm. right at the end of our thing. So we might get a double whammy, actually. You oh, just never it? know. So both of you ponder this for a second. It, because you've got the attention of the whole world at the minute, <laughs> or if you did, one thing you'd like to share, nice and succinct, nice and simple, one thing you would like to share to everybody in the world that, you know, would inspire them, that could, you know, it's an inspiring conversation, has already been. But if you'd like, it's it could be advice, it could be whatever that might something, and I know you've given us plenty already, but if there was one thing, so you can do separate, you don't have to do the same one, and... Mm-hmm. When you're ready,
3: quick thing.
4: Not, not a quick thing, okay, a quick okay. We'll
3: give it that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes, through our childhood in particular, or through our life, we've lost our identities. We lose our God given identities through things that traumas or things that have happened to us. We realize that, and we know we're unhappy with that but it's wonderful and we all put on coping mechanisms to help us deal with childhood pain and those identities because we did it often became those coping mechanisms because we did it often become us so we've lost our identity and we take on the the identity of the coping mechanisms mm. to get to that realization that you can set yourself free, you can find your true identity is very cathartic and healing, and that's the journey I like to take people on. So I lost my identity as a nine-year-old, and I had put on lots of coping mechanisms to help me deal with the issues I was dealing with, but I was not a happy girl. Because of these coping mechanisms, and I knew in my heart that things weren't right. By the time I was 50, when I was 50, I got my true identity back. And that's a journey that I'd love people to go on. Mm. Your true identity is not necessarily the behaviors that you're showing the world now. Mm. So there's
4: that.
1: that.
3: Yeah.
2: And that's amazing. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's not. It's dovetails so well into what I want to say.
2: Of course, it and
4: would. I've learned. I've learned since I became a Christian that it is a lot easier to love people than it is to like them. Because what we don't like about people is their behaviour. And when we understand that underneath every bad behaviour there's a pain that we know nothing about that drives it. And if we condemn people for their behaviour, we're only adding to that pain and therefore increasing the levels of that behaviour, then the whole world is better off if we just love on them. Mm. And a guy I know came up to our place one day to have a cup of tea and he's an atheist and he had a go at us about, you know, how can intelligent people like you believe in all that garbage? I said, I get it. I understand that it's difficult. You know, there's a whole heap of the Bible I haven't got a clue about but the stuff I get really lives in my heart. He said, like what? I said, well, I believe it's a lot easier to love people than it is to like them. He said, what a load of rubbish. What a load of rubbish. He said, how can you love somebody you don't like? I said, well, I do. He said, who? I said, you. Because there are times when I don't much like you, but I don't know the pain that drives you. And you need me to love you because the last thing you need is another one on the list of people who don't like you, like we all We all don't want. And then he said, well, that's very admirable. There's no way I could do it. And I said, you do. He said, who? I said, your son. Your son's had five different kids to four different women and he's only 26. And you hate his behaviour, but if he walked in your lounge room door today, you'd embrace him and love him. He burst into tears. Mm. If we can't forgive, if we can't love, then the whole purpose of our being here has been wasted.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: beautifully said. I love both of those. And I, you know, it is like you said,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so, so many people actually get this sort of stuff. Like it's, it's being true to yourself. It's loving people. It's like going for what you really want, not what other people think you should do. So And it's not complicated. It's not complicated. It's actually this beautiful message that people keep sharing. Mm. And it is that whole thing of just it's love. Love yeah, is the, it's just the bottom line to all of this and mm. all the people that you know have been fortunate enough that would come on and, and share with us.
4: Yeah, exactly that, the same. That's yep. the love.
2: And if if it's not getting through to people yet.
4: (laughs) A lot of people think, oh, love is all fluffy and fluffy-dovey. It's loving somebody enough to risk losing the relationship by telling them the truth. Mm, It's a really difficult thing to do, you know. I I, I have friends who I've said, you're real friends, and that means I'm counting on you to call me on my stuff. And... I, allow, I, I want your permission to call you on your stuff because I want to grow my character out of our relationship with you and I want you to love me enough to tell me I'm being an idiot when I am. Mm. Really, really important. And so they're the friends that we can count on, the ones who are pre- love us so much that they're prepared to risk the relationship because there's something they need to tell us mm-hmm. that we need to learn from and I embrace it.
2: Yeah, we've always got to keep learning. Doesn't matter whether it's yeah. like information, but more so, it's more learning how to live our life and learning how to share our gifts with people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Now, now, before we um leave, mm-hmm. I reckon we might get Graham to um give us a lot of prayer. Yes.
4: If oh. that's all right with Graham. Love that. Yeah, look, can I, can I, um, I'll, I'll do a standard one that I do a lot because it's really relevant, and that's the serenity prayer. Love that. Yeah, beautiful. Awesome. God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one beautiful day at a time, enjoying one precious moment at a time. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as we would have it. And trusting, Lord, that you will make all things right if we just surrender to your will so that we may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Lord, we thank you for Chris and Louise and the work that they're doing the work of spreading joy and peace and love to other people, the work of uniting communities. And we ask you to bless that work and to bless the people that they come in contact with and the same for us, Lord. Mm -hmm. The truth is we are all in the same boat and we are all heading to the same destination, whether we realise it or not. So we pray, Lord, that you will guide and lead every thought, action, word and deed as we proceed on that journey. In Mm -hmm. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: amen oh thank you so very much ah that was beautiful
2: well thank you guys for giving up such a wonderful time and sharing some great fun stories I love
1: it's going to be ah it's just great it is (laughs) it's great i love finding out all the
2: little ins and outs of amazing people and what you know their journey getting there and and all the wonderful things that they're doing so Mm. you guys Always have been and always will be amazing in our eyes. Absolutely. Mm. Good you know. luck with absolute well, you don't actually even need luck. Just My you know,
0: blessing with
2: so much gratitude, we mm. say, keep going with what you're doing. You know, Godspeed in a way, and I know it's not even a, a flying term, but you've got so much to do and you do so much and you're so giving. Mm. Look after you as well.
0: Yeah. And
2: please keep us in touch with this. Um church without walls and the way it's going to spread throughout australia maybe the world hopefully mm, yeah, the worldwide phenomenon and um yeah we can't wait to share all of those things and keep what we keep watching you so it, it's easy for us we get to see it <laughs> on the other side well,
4: okay. no one no one no one thing about no two things to both of you we not only love you both we really like you a lot too
2: oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we really like you, you guys too. too.
4: <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much for having us part of your program. It's been really refreshing.
3: Thank you.
2: has uh, been great. It's great to see you smile and and to share such wonderful things. So yeah, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> eventually, I know we want to do a bit of a trip to find some of the people that we've interviewed and stuff, and
1: and
4: a few of them are up around your yeah, way, so we, we might, might
2: pop yeah, in. We'll add you to one yeah. of our. You're yeah.
4: more than welcome. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put some gardening gloves on you and get you to pull weeds.
1: <laughs> ah. So
4: therapeutic, Louise. You have to bring a cake.
1: Oh, promise. Oh. That's my heart. So I'll promise. I'll make cake. sure she bakes it the night before. Yeah. <laughs> nice Otherwise, morning. I'll use
2: kitchen, Michelle. One of the
1: two.
2: Uh <laughs> oh, thank you. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure.
3: Yeah, all right. Enjoy. Thanks, Thanks,
1: guys. guys. there, right. bye. bye.
2: Well,
1: there you go, Graham and Michelle Hood. Good. Yeah, wow.
2: Oh, it was so good to see that side of him, wasn't
1: it? A, a really, really nice. Look, I mean, look. without going into any detail or anything like that, um, he has a very, very um, full-on schedule, mm. and um, and we're truly grateful oh. for um, him to get on and, Give and have a laugh. And, a laugh. Like, and, and to and... see the soft side of Graham and and Michelle. It was so fun to listen to some of his popular (laughs)
2: stories. I bet you we could have almost, uh, you could almost do a series on uh, hoodies um, I, I don't even know how you would say it, but it would be like all the
1: funny, funny stories. stories that you have, 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 have
2: of a I should have mentioned
1: it, yeah. that to Graham yeah, and that maybe might, yeah. he might need to put a couple of videos together about some of these yeah, funny stories.
2: Yeah, do to people. And, you know, it's all in good fun and, yeah, and oh, all, of, you know, all of that. But, you know. And it makes you
1: laugh and laughing is great for you.
2: It sure is. And it was so good to see him relaxed. And, you know, sharing those really, really important things to him. I mean, mm. he's a warrior for sure. Yeah. And uh, so much that we can learn from those two who have done amazing work yeah. for, and, for people.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we've got, like we said, and I think I said it during the past, um, you know, again, there's that fine thread you know, love and bringing people together, and being true to yourself, you know, finding
2: your true self,
1: and we are, and we are all different. You know, we all come from. You know, I think it was uh, very well put, um, Bev. Back to Bev again. Oh, yeah. Bev would always say to me, "You know, there are many roads to the top of the pyramid, but the view at the top's exactly the same." Yep. And the more and more I do these interviews, the more and more I see exactly what she said to me is exactly the truth yep. we've all got our
2: special way of believing things mm. and sharing things and yep. moving forward yeah no way is right or wrong
1: mm. yeah that, that's just
2: it it's just as long as you're doing it for yourself
1: yeah exactly so um that's the end of our uh cast for first one for 2024 the 2024 and what a great one i know and so we've good. got some wonderful ones coming up also too We'll uh, be starting up um, Conscious Conversations again. Yes, yes we so will. So that will be uh, interesting. I know that we've got some really good things. Yeah, some um, really
2: interesting topics to talk about, actually. Absolutely. And then it's related to all these things that we're talking about now. So, 100%.
1: Um, so, yeah, we've got lots of uh, – I'm really excited for 2024. too. I really am too. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm Chris.
2: And I'm Louise. And we, we are Conscious,
1: conscious waves. waves. See, See next you next time. Lad. Bye. Bye.